Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. Uh, I am Spencer and Joel is here too, I guess. That's right. And I'm here to talk about ladies. Just kidding. I'm talking about one lady, Agnes Varga. Yeah, one special lady. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just a special lady. She's a very special lady. Uh, no, she's more than that. But anyway, so yeah, this is our Agnes Varga special. Because uh, wait, whenever we're gonna do the other one with M Two May, her the five to five to seven one. Oh, nice. Cleo five to seven. Or yes. five to seven. That cool. one. Very cool. So, yeah, so I, well, I added this one kind of without realizing, forget, forgetting I added a second Farda. Well, well more Farda is good, so who cares? Um, yeah, so uh, this is a Farda special. We're talking about one from the New Wave era and one from not the New Wave era. And uh, returning guest, uh, Amanda. Oh, thank you for having me, Spencer and Joel. It's always an awesome time with you guys. No, thanks. Uh, so, uh, what made you, uh, when I showed you the, the list, what made you want to pick the Varda, uh, episode? Um, I mean, kind of like, I think I mentioned this when we did, um, La Ventura in the, uh, Antonioni episode. Um, I've just kind of, when I, just being honest, like, I have just kind of when I was trying to really get into movies and trying to see what else was kind of out there to discover, um, she was constantly on these lists, especially for, uh, somebody important. I mean, she's, I think, um, the, like, queen of the French New Wave. And so I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta dive in and explore and learn about her and her movies. And, uh, La Bonheur, and I'm awful at French, so I'm sorry for that. Happiness and Vagabond were, I think, two that really stood out to me, the ones that I, I really liked of her movies. Um, and, like, kind of prior to starting the episode, I was mentioning to Joel, like, I really don't think there's anything of hers that I ever felt was actually overrated as as much as she's talked about and people love her and usually that's something I'm concerned about when somebody really likes something um I just absolutely have loved everything of hers I've explored and and everything I've learned about her and these are two movies that are are favorites of mine so that's pretty much it oh nice yeah yeah um yeah so when I uh we'll answer the question yeah so you, you pick these two movies yeah. And my first thought was after, because last season you picked Amour, which yep. was really, that's a, that's a episode to, to check out because that, uh, that movie deeply affected me. And I was wondering, I wonder if, if this yeah. if Amanda will, will ruin my day again. <laughs> and, Vagabond, and Vagabond did ruin my day. So you get a real knack for picking stuff that yeah. would destroy me. <laughs> it's not on purpose i swear i just um maybe i don't know maybe i need to to get help but i tend to like things that appear really beautiful and lovely and have deep and dark undertones um <laughs> so uh yeah Effective i guess i'm sorry making. yes exactly <laughs> yeah um, no, don't, don't feel sorry i i, I like yeah, ruin your day type of movies yeah and vagabond is for me top tier Yes, uh, it's up there with like the darkest Memora, like um, mm-hmm. the, the mountain one with the old people. Yes, B- Balnaryama, like it's up there that quality of like, this is amazing, but also I just want to take a nap and not think about life after watching this. 
Yeah, and we'll get there too a bit with with happiness as well because the movie appears like beautiful and lovely and something that you kind of would want to jump into and you'd want to have a picnic there and then the just undertones and the overall themes are uh, pretty terrifying. So, yeah, that kind of, I guess, that's your point. <laughs> They're definitely um, not easy to, to swallow and not something generally enjoyable, but she makes them enjoyable and they're, they're important because of the themes uh, and what she's trying to say. Yeah, uh, happiness. Uh, well, well, Vagabond I'd heard of. Yeah. But I never knew what it was about. I assumed yep. a, a vagabond of some type. Yeah, and that's a that's a safe assumption. Yeah, <laughs> yes. but like, I was thinking, like, is this like, is this gonna be like La Pointe Court? Is it gonna be like Breathless? Mm. I just knew it's like a someone who wanders around, and yep. uh, man, I, it's it, it's just like it's a great movie, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I, I will ha- add nothing new besides like. Yeah, like I, I'm sure I'll add nothing new to the conversation. It's it's amazing and it ruined my day, but <laughs> I I will gladly watch it again anytime. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I find myself it's it's a movie that like I revisit on occasion and uh, like because it's like oh I remember this is amazing and I love this and um the the uh the Sandra Bonaire I think is is her name um she she's incredible in the role like so it's just kind of like all right I'm gonna revisit this and then I don't know what it is I've I've seen this several times but it's like oh yeah it starts with her dead spoiler alert like <laughs> um and then of course full circle and kind of that that journey um but um it's it's definitely um beautiful as dark as it is and uh the themes are important and i think anybody could kind of relate to to somewhat what she experienced even if your lifestyle isn't like this or was never like this um so i I find that kind of uh fascinating that that i think it's touching regardless of who watches it and and it definitely uh will will speak to you especially with kind of uh what what she faces uh with her lifestyle and just how dangerous it is yeah, uh, J Dog. Had you heard of either of these two movies before? You know, uh, I told you these are the ones she uh, Amanda picked. I'd already seen Vagabond because I was doing that thing where I was watching uh, A letter Criterion, B letter Criterion. You know, making my way through the alphabet and then starting over again. <laughs> oh, oh yes. so you went? So you went like Vampire Vagabond? Basically, yeah. Uh, Vagabond before Vampire. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's I think we've caught up there. I, I only completed two alphabets before the rest of my life took over. How many Z <laughs> movies are there besides Z? Um, I don't think I'm the, not going to look it up right now. Yeah, but I don't mm. think the Brisky Point that Antonioni is a criterion. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't part of the because uh, I was just back when I was doing it, it was it was the Criterion Channel on Hulu. So that was a long time ago. I, I doubt that they had. All the ones that would have been on there. Uh, I'm going to look real quick because I do actually have it on Letterboxd. Here we go. Criterion Alphabet Part 3 was. Uh, oh, there's a ton of Zatoichi movies. Oh, I was going to okay, say, there's, there was a pretty huge set they released too, which is pretty beautiful if people collect that yeah. stuff. But yeah, there's quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so I'd seen this at, uh, Vagabond and. I had mm-hmm. a way different reaction than I did when I first saw it. I mean, I had the same, like, melancholy sadness thing going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. But years ago, I was not so much of a leftist socialist bastard like I am now. <laughs> so having developed empathy for people, mm-hmm. which is, I know it's weird. I was heartbroken watching this time yeah. and found her to be so relatable. Yes. And, and her struggles relatable and the struggles of the, everyone else going through trying to exist in their lives in the movie. Like, yeah. So it was, it was a different mm-hmm. experience this time. It reminded me of uh, Rosetta, the Darden Brothers movie we talked about last season. Yeah, definitely. Where like Rosetta is very focused on the is very focused on like I think a two week period, maybe one week period. It, it's a it's a very specific set of time. It's a, and but it's like it has that same level of uh, just uh, hopelessness. Yeah. And, and yeah. Empathy. Yeah. Yeah, it like uh, kind of like um even though this is like way before um it makes me think of um Kelly Reichardt's uh, Wendy and Lucy. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but there's definitely quite a bit of that there. Um, that's even the dog one. Yeah, I'm not. Watching yeah. That movie. Oh no, yeah. no, I saw a dog in. I'm no, I can't. I read, yeah, I, read, I mean that I movie read is about the scene. really good though. Like it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Just and not to tempt you. <laughs> I I under yes I. I, yeah, it, yeah. it sounds good. I yeah, want to have my heart broken specifically that way. <laughs> well, I guess we could blame Marcus Pin because Marcus is the one that I was like, I want to get into. I can't remember what the question was, and he's like, Amanda, you need to like check out all of Kelly Reichardt's movie, and this is but was before Nomadland, and I was like, all right, and then like I finally watched um like Old Joy and Certain Women and Meeks Cut Off, and and then I was like, and then Wendy and Lucy, Wendy and Lucy really stuck out to me because it's kind of sim- similar, not it's not nearly as um dark i don't but it's it's definitely the themes are similar because it's somebody that that has nothing and is obviously just trying to figure out how how to get by and has no assistance at all and then there's also a dog um and it kind of just i mean like i said like look with this movie it's definitely it's uh i i think at least for me like i've i've never experienced this type of lifestyle but um i i, I could find myself kind of relating a bit and just and just kind of underst at least from my perspective like you know like kind of being able to understand how like traumatic and awful that would be and um and hoping when i was watching this that i would uh, act like uh, one woman she encounters that like has her like live in her car and kind of takes care of her a bit if that makes sense yeah. um because uh, I think one of the beautiful things about this movie is it shows that um, as awful as things are, there are some good people in the world. I think that's what kind of what it reveals um, somewhat. And I believe in that as, as, as terrible as things are. Um, so I, I did like that, that, I guess, optimism that the movie had um, as, as uh, horrendous as it, it begins and then it comes full circle. So then the ending, you already know what's going to take place. <laughs> yeah, that end... The, the, yeah. The end was like, well, they're gonna cut to something else. They're not gonna show her die. Yeah. But it's like, oh, she's gonna just gonna die, cut to black, and it's like, yeah. oh, Frozen. Jesus Christ, yeah. this was. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I think like just not only like um, Verda's like politics and view on life, but also her style. I don't know. 
who else could have done this as beautifully as she did because as dark as it is it's beautiful and it definitely has a, a, a deeper meaning um and like i said i think regardless of who you are like there's there's definitely pieces of this that are relatable especially the way it's told with the different encounters she has on her journey like it's almost like a road movie even though it's not um I mean, it's like a road movie documentary yeah yeah it definitely is it feels like a hybrid of the two um, so I think that's just, honestly, it's because it's Agnes Varda. I don't think, you know, anybody else could really pull this off as well. Um, and there's even, like, a good sense of fun to it in parts. Yeah. Because, like, they're, like whenever I do, like, the one-on-one interview thing with the person that she interacted yeah. with. And there's one where, the, uh, I think it's David. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's on a train car, but you don't know it yet. Yes. And then the train car rolls away. And it's like yeah. not not a joke, but it's just like a weird kind of joy, like kind of lightly funny thing that you don't expect. It's like, oh, oh yeah, like there's some fun stuff in yeah. this movie to lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, and I also really liked like when she encountered like the farmer and the family of goat farmers, and like they literally just like tried to like because he kind of knew you know that situation. He was there. And, like, it, it was what was beautiful about it is, like, I think he made that false assumption of, like, she was like him and actually, you know, wanted to have what he had, which was not the case with her. And, and so he, like, even gave her, like, a piece of land. Like, all of that I thought was, like, beautiful, but, like, done in a way that was kind of, I think, outside the norm of what normal people do where, like, not everybody wants or follows the same path, if that makes sense. Um, as lovely as it was that he gave those things to her to try to have her, you know, have that life and an opportunity. He's like, oh, you can sell cheese. You can have this land. You want to grow potatoes? Here you go. And she's just like, yeah, no. <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, it, it, I, I thought that was kind of nice to see that not only was there that side of, of somebody who understood it, who wanted to help her, but also she wasn't capable or, or willing or wanting to receive that help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Joel, I'm sorry. I had to step away because somebody was trying to force their way into our apartment. Oh, what? Which has <laughs> been a problem multiple times here. What? Are you okay? Like, yeah, I, that's we're, wild. We're okay, there's okay. cameras that have been set up since this became an issue. So, oh god, but, yeah, somebody like was shaking the the doorknob outside and like you could hear them kind of like bump like slamming their shoulder on the door like they couldn't figure out why it wouldn't open and then they oh rang my the God. doorbell oh like wait that's who um... are you <laughs> oh my god okay okay are you, are you safe right now exactly we're fine we're fine yeah. okay are you sure <laughs> yeah okay she, sarah didn't let me go outside and talk to the person so we're fine (laughs) well my god so i missed what you were talking about it was something about how well send uh, me send me a selfie of you winking so i know you're okay oh my god and and if you i mean really then i I know you're in danger (laughs) exactly yeah picture of (laughs) i don't know oh that's great a picture of coco if you're in danger a picture of tiger if you're safe (laughs) <laughs> oh my uh, god. Anyway, what what were you asking? Um oh about letting the, people in when they're cold. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I have strong opinions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind what, of the topic. Yeah, um what do you like about uh this movie? Uh J-Dog. And also like 
so, uh, what do you is, do? You like this more than La Pointe Court? No, that's that's uh, the the okay. So the Varda movies I've seen, I've seen La Pointe Court, La Pointe Court. It's La. It's La. It's not Lech. Le is L E. Don't ask me. I don't know. L E singular is Le, and then no Le. Fuck with it. It's like that. Plural is Le. L E S. Le is L E singular. Masculine yeah. law is singular feminine. We. Oui. Mm. I I have seen le bonheur. I I don't know le bonheur. I don't know how to say that without making it sound like the bonus. Happiness. Uh, happiness. Thank you. It's French. Yep. It's full of bullshit. Stupid rules. <laughs> and uh, I've seen Cleo from five to seven, and all four of those movies are so different. Yes. If somebody, I wonder if you showed somebody two or three of them back to back and said, uh, "What do you, what do you think of the different directors?" Would they know it was the same director? Probably not. Depending, yeah. yeah. They're all very good. They've all got their own different styles. The La Pointe Court is. Uh, I think we were talking about how. Uh, some parts of it feel like the kind of thing that you see made fun of, like in Woody Allen movies or on TV shows or, or cartoons, yeah. like even like, yeah. like Family Guy cartoons where it's like the art movie kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, like the but King of the Hill where Bobby runs like an art movie and it's like a French clown who's crying <laughs> in black and white. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have yet to see a French clown. I've seen lots of mimes. So I guess that's the same thing. I don't know. Uh, but it's it you know that movie's fantastic. Uh, Vagabond is much more of a straightforward um, story. Mm-hmm. You know we know where it's going to end, kind of thing. Watching this journey, mm-hmm. and the amount of empathy Agnes Varda gets in the frame of her camera, like I don't understand how. In in the La Pointe Court, you can feel the lovers and what they're going through, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. w- whatever, that's almost blasé. Like you can almost like I don't really care about their personal conflict, but right. the filmmaking is so interesting. But the way she films the people who live in the town, you know, there's there's an honest like love for the yes. these people and their their customs and whatever else. And vagabond, like empathy in the frame for our main character but also for the people she's encountering for the people that get interviewed the people who were touched by you know just her presence or or uh, later when some of the stories end up connecting like we see the the characters almost the punks i don't know Hmm? yeah like the, the punks keep showing up again and again the what the punks. No, I'm not talking about the punks. Okay. You said <laughs> yes. I, uh, okay. Well, the punks also, but I'm talking. I was. I was more talking about Tree Lady and her friend Glasses McGiven, McGillicuddy, uh, Jean Paul, <laughs> and then later he goes to visit his aunt, who happens to be the old lady. That, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the the lady that is like the building manager from Amelie, who's in love with the guy who obviously 
doesn't give a shit about her. Oh uh, yeah, the uh, the redhead, um, Yolanda. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Like, what what did I think of Vagabond? I think it's it's really really good. It's. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm having a difficulty differentiating between what I what I consider to be a perfect movie and what I consider to be an an excellent movie because I don't think mm-hmm. they're the same thing. Like this is not a movie I'm just going to toss on, and you know I can argue about the flaws versus n- not you know right. things that are mistaken by other people. Um. <laughs> But it's, I don't know what else you would, how else you would make it. Like, I, I can't imagine a better version of, of what goes on here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Oh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know yeah. yeah, watch a Vagabond. I don't know. Are you are you Jay Leno now? Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you uh, one of these questions. Yeah, I just ran into this lady in the street. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll buy you a piece of bread. Just answer this trivia question. No, I'm not Jay Leno. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> oh, thank God I was going to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> no, he's trash. That's where I draw the line. Uh, yeah. What was it? The um. Uh, I forgot what episode. The, the one Cribs was on, you mentioned this, and you're like, oh yeah, it's, it's Bell Hooper. And, right. And watching it, it's like, I can understand that, that making that mistake. This feels like a Hooper type um, character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Gee, uh, de- definitely good at giving this attitude of like, like, you know, fuck you. I'm, you know, I'm not going to deal with your shit. Blah, 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 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I mixed them up because they're also in that movie together that I've been seeing the image for recently. He's back. Maybe. Spencer. Yeah, I can hear you. This internet's so fucking annoying lately. Who do yeah. you have? What's going on? Do you have like what's your provider? Uh, Comcast. Oh. It's the only one who does the connections in his area. That sucks. Yeah, that's usually yeah. how it is. There's some, like, monopoly of your area, and you're stuck with whoever that loser is. <laughs> yeah, we can't really afford the other ones, so. Understandably. Um, yeah. As soon as we start getting that sweet Patreon money, bam. Seriously. Yeah. Okay, uh, start recording. Oh, oh you have recording. Good. That would suck. We. Oh. All right. Um, my... How did you feel about Vagabond? Oh. I know you're saying, you, Spencer, you're saying uh-huh. that you're just going to say something that somebody else has said ago, but, like, what parts specifically were most effective for you? Yeah. Uh, for me, just the mix of it feeling like a documentary and having, like, the... It may feel, like, uh, authentic. Which yeah. Is, uh, which is like, which is can be a bullshit thing to throw around talking about movies, but like, I mean it genuinely. Like, it it feels authentic to what the what Varda is trying to, uh, you know, show us and tell us. 
and like right. so like it feels authentic in a way where it's like they're not trying too hard it just is a part of an, an organic part of the uh um <laughs> uh of the movie and um yeah yeah they like break they break the fourth wall sometimes and like look directly into the camera which is uh pretty great yeah like the uh the the redhead character who is with the the punk guy yes like when she first starts talk to a camera i i thought she was talking i thought they were gonna cut to someone it's like oh wait it's like a documentary again she's talking to us about this and it's yeah. like there's so many fun little like movie things where it's like it it's like oppressively sad in parts it's light and funny and then there's like a lot of parts where it's like where you can tell Varda is like, yeah, it's a movie. You can kind of fuck around with the format and play around with stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can tell she's having a good time doing this. Like, it's very playful, which is just generally the vibe I get from most of her movies, if not all of them. Um, but, like, I also like, like, how, like, uneasy um, the character, like, Mona makes everybody. Like, everybody, like, they're not comfortable with her like or they or they for some reason like actually like envy her or like really like her situation it's just kind of weird and i think like at least like generally speaking like stories similar to this when it deals with somebody that um is like mona or is homeless or you know considered like not a part of society like generally that's not the feeling that like some of these movies or stories convey is like that people are are envious if that makes sense so i kind of like that too like that um people are like actually like some of them are actually jealous of that freedom that she has yeah uh and i like the uh like that it's a movie about a woman who is kind of very unpleasant and unlikable yeah and, and she's very and it's not done in a way it's patronizing or trying to be like it's because she has a fucked up past it's just like that's just mm -hmm. who she is she's kind of mean and cold sometimes mm -hmm. she wants to fuck someone sometimes she doesn't yeah but she's just she's a complex person and I, I like how unabashedly you know like kind of cold and mean she can be and it's, it's just kind of refreshing I think you know the, the first time I watched it this is this is the major change in between the the years uh, one of the major changes is is my the amount of empathy I had for uh, how tired she must have been how Mm -hmm. angry she must have been from like the world treating her constantly like that uh, yep. not to, to mention like whatever psychological uh, just just scarring she must have to deal with like when she ends up on on the goat farm and it, you almost get the uh, you know you, feel like maybe this is going to finally work out or something like that but mm. if you've been paying attention you already know it's not going to work out right exactly yeah uh, and the you know going into the the trailer she has and telling you know saying like you know you said you were going to do all this stuff and now you've just been doing nothing and it's costing us money and stuff like that and i don't understand you and she's She's sitting in there smoking a cigarette and reading her book, and I, I just, as somebody who's had to recently take a couple of months for himself, uh, to my financial, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it hurts my pocketbook is what I'm trying to say, uh, but I had to. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Uh, Joel, uh, Joel, are you saying that you want me to get you the Blade Pit of Horror uh, Blu-ray coming out? No, I want you to buy me the complete films of Agnes Varda. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, make that kind but of But I, I will settle for Bloody Pit of Horror. Okay. I mean, <coughs> there is that Barnes & Noble sale happening, so... Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah? Get Now's right the time. <coughs> Once this lottery ticket I have pays off, you'll all see. I will be the king of Blu-rays. No, okay. Uh, anyways, I was like, I yeah, there's just somebody, I have to deal with depression, I have to deal with anxiety, I have to deal with my attention deficit disorder. Yeah. And there are weeks where I just want to read a book or several books or play a video game or several video games or movies or whatever and not do any of my responsibilities because I can't handle it. I mean, and that's healthy and that's good that you recognize that, you know, so. Yeah. And it's, you know, like all the things that weigh against her are not just because she wants to wander. It's because there aren't systems to help anybody in that situation. Yeah, that's a big part of this movie is that there's nothing there to help her. And then I I agree with you. And then the people that are offering to help, it might work if her situation was different or if she was even a different person. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of like, oh, this must be the solution. But it's, it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back to the example of here, have this land to grow your potatoes. It's like, that might, you know, that's not, you know, that might seem to most people as a solution or in some cases it would be, but for her, it's not, that's not what Mona is capable of. You know, maybe she was previously, maybe she needs something else to help her get there. So, yeah, that, I yeah. mean, that one long car ride with the, the lady was yeah. perfect for her because there were no expectations. Yep. And this, this woman like was basically amused and felt bad for her and eventually when she does have to I mean that this where she's so upset after being hilariously electrocuted (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one that like laughed because like she's like holding on like both hands like she's holding on to two lights and I was like okay like that is like like you are really dumb or you have the worst possible luck because at least for me nobody was in there I know, but like he, like that guy was there, and he was just like, "Oh, like it wasn't long," or something. He said to her, "Like it wasn't that long that you were getting electrocuted." <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, a uh, fun fact: former guest and friend uh, Gina Radcliffe has been mm-hmm. ele- electrocuted at least once. At least once. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah, she said uh, it was not a fun experience when it happened. <laughs> wow. I mean, when people are electrocuted by lightning, that is life-changing, as in, like, their glasses get really thick, but, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't know if there was, I, I, I mean, in terms of, like, the d- the deeper meaning with her getting electrocuted, um, I mean, I, I think there, there might be something there that Agnes is trying to say outside of, um, that freak accident, if you will, um, but... Uh, to to your point, Joel, too, I really liked how there was a scene with um, where they're in the car together and she's like kind of saying like, oh, at first it was the smell or something that was awful about her. And like, she's like, that smell eventually goes away. I mean, that's just kind of a nice way of saying I finally realized that she's a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah no it's like a parasite. Exactly. When, uh, the... I haven't seen that movie since the theater. That's, that yeah. smell crosses the line. <laughs> that's, yes. what, that's what the freaking guy said. Dead. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
And so. like, what is the line for you, you piece of shit? Okay, sorry. That's literally <laughs> it. Yeah. And um, what was it? The I like that this movie is about poverty, and yes. it never feels patronizing. It, it's always Doesn't. like it, it's it's done in a respectful way where you just see and like it's to the point where I'm not sure all the people were actors I'm pretty sure at least half of them were just people in those situations yeah. that's it's, what it says yeah and that's kind of um, again something I like about Agnes Varda is she sometimes uses professional actors and sometimes she doesn't but yeah that was definitely it gives it more of a real feel and I guess like that documentary feel that it's kind of a, a hybrid like like narrative traditional narrative story and then has the um kind of these these characters that have interacted with her kind of doing that 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 documentary style like interviews and again like the fourth wall like kind of looking at the audience and um sometimes like talking about things prior to them happening kind of like the movie starting with her her death basically i don't know it's just definitely is a kind of outside the box and and very yeah. very unique in that way which is nice to see Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Muhammad Salah, Muhammad Salah Haroon, my favorite living filmmaker, does this a lot of mixing professional actors with, um, with uh, yeah. non-actors, which really like for him like really works with like the the uh, humanity of his movies and like getting across like a p- the political message of whatever he's trying to, uh, uh, you know, get across. Mm-hmm. And it's always like it's just something I like to see that. Uh, it's just always just a nice thing to see, like, uh, like non-actors mixed with real actors, because then yeah. it, it creates this very distinct feeling that if I went to film school, I'd probably describe better. But like, it's just this very distinct feel to it when you have this mix. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned him because like I recently watched like that was like on my like uh, shame list that I mm-hmm. hadn't seen his movies, and I finally saw. Um, was it a screaming man which i absolutely yeah. loved and then uh durat and then uh i think uh i'm trying to think i watched like a bunch of them that were on the uh the criterion channel they had a lot of his movies i think a season in france which was good but it's definitely like uh, i think it was a screaming man that really really stood out to me that movie's amazing yeah that is such a good movie but yeah i talked about it with martin yeah uh, a while ago oh uh, yeah uh i've talked about Harun a lot uh, i don't have to talk about him anymore we're here to talk about varda <laughs> I'll just talk about like uh, Haroon if we keep going this down down this road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel, have you seen any of his movies yet? I don't think so. Mm. Oh, okay. Unless uh, unless we did one for the podcast. Uh, no, because uh, other people other people have been like, we're gonna talk about Haroon movies with you, and then I'm just kind of waiting for them to get back to me on that. So I'm kind of saving okay. that. Yeah, I think uh, they're like, like I think like, I don't know, like they're on like Amazon now. Last I checked, but I'm sure Criterion or somebody will get them again. Yeah, uh, you're Joel. You're like I, I only watch Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Never mind. You're like Abuna, um, because <laughs> yeah. that one has um, uh, uh, it's one it's it's kind of Charmushi and there's a Charmushi reference in it, where it's like oh, it's kind of uh, uh echo to that to um which one is it it's one of the 80s ones for jarmouche yeah there's a a scene where you see movie posters and it's like oh those are the movies that influenced this movie 
and it's a very clear thing. It's like one's like a Chaplin movie, one's a John Roche, one's like some French movie. Um, are you talking about like Down by Law or maybe I have to rewatch it. That's like eighty six, and there's like I think like Stranger Than Paradise, which is like eighty three or eighty four. I think it's Stranger Than Paradise as a poster in the scene. Yeah. But also, uh, worrying with the Buna if anyone ha- is going to watch it, it's very sad. In 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 a way, it's very unexpected. Um. Mm. Yeah, I, I've uh, if Sarah if Sarah watches, it, it might destroy her. If she's sensitive to uh sad stuff. Oh yeah. I don't know. Uh, she, she watched she watched Vagabond with me. She was okay. Okay. Well, Vagabond tells you when a character a character will die. This one kind of sne- sneaks up on you. Yeah, it just like, hits oh. you in the beginning. <laughs> we also watched the other movie, Happiness, together, which oh, does a... not warn you what's going to happen. Okay. Yes. By the way, uh, just in case, uh, listener, if you haven't watched Happiness, aka Le Bon Hiver. I'm not good at French either. B O N H E U R. Yeah, the first half. You have the first half right. The H part, I'm not sure. Don't ask me. You should watch that movie blind. Oh yes. It doesn't matter if you're spoiled on it. It's still great. Oh yeah, that's definitely a movie not to know anything about when you when you start watching it. Yeah, just watching it completely blind like I did was like such a, a pleasure when when what happens happens. Yeah. So tur- turn this off, watch it. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, with Vagabond, one more thing. Well, a couple more things. But no, she emerges okay. from the sea in, uh, when you first see her alive. And so it adds just like kind of mythical quality to her. Mm-hmm. Because like you have the two punks like Pervin on her. Like, like look, she's na- a naked lady. And it's like, and, but... But done it, but has this feeling of like she's this creature that's not human. That's not just say she's not a person, but like the way she touches people's lives, and it just has this like kind of folkloric, mythical feel. It does. It's almost like I wouldn't say like it's an enlightenment level, but she's like kind of transcended. I think what I found interesting, um, like I said, like I think that's where people are maybe are envious of her. Like is is that she's uh, exists outside of of society, and has I guess like not to say she's found happiness like to refer to the other movie we're gonna talk about, but it's almost like it almost seems like she's at peace, as as dark as as some of her her days are. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she's kind of transcended this idea that 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 structure and. Um, she's very happy living with these risks in day to day. And I mean, there's some moments in the movie that, that clearly her as a human being, like, and, and as a woman, as an, as an individual are, are going to affect her in the worst possible ways. Like she gets raped more than once in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. like, but, but regardless, like she's to your point, like it feels like she's transcended into this, that maybe a true reality, um, that the, these, the, the workings around us are are kind of there to to keep us in that cage. I mean, that's kind of that. I think that overlying theme, like there's this. Div- I don't know if divine is the word or enlightenment is, but she kind of, to your point, like has uh, has learned the ways, you know, that that none of us have have learned or are maybe capable. Like there's, I guess, courage might be what she's found. But again, to to your point earlier, like Joel, like um, there's clearly. 
um, some help that she needs that people aren't aware of either. So it's this weird, it doesn't tell you like kind of, and that's something that I really like about Agnes Fard is it doesn't tell you like you, the audience are an idiot. No, she needs help or, you know, or no, she, she is a God and she's found like, it's kind of leaves that to you to kind of figure out and, and interpret, which is nice. But yeah, like it definitely seems like she's almost at peace as, as risky as her lifestyle is. Yeah, I can't with the image of her coming out of the ocean. Yeah, the 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 two thoughts that occur to me are one, um, when someone who is unhoused like yeah. suddenly starts appearing, yeah. places you see it is it is like where did this person come from? Where did mm-hmm. this did they spring from the air itself? Like a, like no one knows and like for somebody who you don't even know what her real name was or or anything like that you're never going to find a family that they came from an original land they came from mm-hmm. it did whether or not they're telling the truth about any of their past you know working she was saying training to be a typist and things and things yeah you know her name being mona we don't even know exactly yep and the other thing that occurred to me is the story of the little mermaid Yes. Uh, which is yeah she yeah. has a certain amount of time on the planet to get a, uh, something done or she's going to be dead and so when she emerges from the sea whatever she's reaching for she doesn't and we end up right. how we did in the beginning yeah. not the end but the beginning yeah and this feels somehow uh, nicer than the Czech um, Little Mermaid from the 70s which is kind of disturbing Kind yeah. of like all those Czech fantasy films are kind For of real. are really deeply disturbing. <laughs> yeah, or like I guess you could go like the Hayao Miyazaki route and be like like uh, <laughs> his version of the Little Mermaid with the ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's Ponyo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, Ponyo. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. about it. That's about a crazy scientist. <laughs> it is. They're all crazy. Head. Yeah. Relations with a fish or something? Is that? I can't remember what happens. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, Joel, at one point, Mona asked, who's the boss? And that got me yes. thinking. Was the it, character Mona in Who's the Boss named after her? No. <laughs> was Mona oh. the boss of this movie? Or was it Tony? Uh, it was probably Tony. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mona, Mona keeps trying to take charge, but Tony's got a motorcycle. He's got weed. Okay. And uh, he's got baked goods on occasion. I mean, yeah. Or, I've got or, nothing or, to say. Or was Angela the boss? Mm. Angela. <laughs> uh, okay, I feel like that's enough vagabond. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah if you haven't seen it, uh, watch it. Yeah. It's that's... as good as people say. Yeah, it's actually, it's yeah, it is great. And um, uh, definitely, like, despite its title, it's not simply just a vagabond story. There's there's a lot to it. So kind of like what you mentioned uh, with happiness, like, I would go in blind. I think that's the best way to enjoy it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the fact that she even has, you know, people are, and herself are referring to herself as M- Mona is yeah. kind of surprising because, like, she's the vagabond. She's the, you know... Mm-hmm. She's just the girl that's dead in the beginning of the movie that actually, you know, didn't really have any impact on anybody's lives. Nobody's going to change anything because this person came through. It's like 
she might as well just be another anonymous faceless vagabond yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the anti in some ways the anti Tearama, the movie yeah. I, I can't stop talking about because Terrence Stamp is so good in that yeah uh, which movie Tearama. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. You know, like, like he, yeah, he, an he, angel visiting or 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 devil. Right. Or, that, or, I mean, or, see, yeah. that makes me think of yeah, Bible stories where, uh, what well, like the Good Samaritan style, right? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Except or, there wasn't really there wasn't really a you know a truly good Samaritan. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Or is Terrence Stamp the spirit of the working class and uh, a socialist, like uh, a mythical figure? Who really knows? The, it, it's up to that's you. That's the kind of shit that'll get you murdered. Well, it got... Um, got or frozen. <laughs> it oh, got, I was just thinking about the director of Terror Room. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. I think a few things got him uh, got in that position. Mm-hmm. But, uh... It's yeah. crazy. It's still unsolved. It's as if, you know, the police, you know... Uh, don't want to solve it. Yeah, don't want to solve it. Hmm. The, uh, there's a whole, like, shining level conspiracy uh, stuff with it that you can really dig into if you feel like it. Uh, okay. Happiness. Um, uh, Amanda, how would you describe what this movie is? Happiness? Yes. Uh, the first it's half is gun. the first half is happiness, and uh, so I think you can imagine what the second half is. Um, honestly, um, describing this movie, I think to Joel's point, like I go in blind. Um, so I, I think that's the best approach. But what I love about it is the poster and anything you watch related to it. Like if you had it totally muted, I think you'd think it was this lovely movie about people in the countryside in France that like to go there on the weekends, vacation there, um, spend time together as a family, maybe have a picnic and enjoy the outdoors. And the reality is, is that um, I think the the meat of the story is really how um, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the father figure of the family is garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really kind of it, the complexity there with um, how, um, and, and honestly, the way it, it's treated, like, it, it, of course, it's accepted in society, this behavior. And, uh, and honestly, what was really, I find this movie absolutely terrifying because of how easily somebody whom he, he loves and he's committed to is uh, treated like an afterthought. And he not only convinces himself, but convinces her that um, his behavior is okay. Um, so it's generally uh, frightening to me. So Welcome to France. Ex- <laughs> no, well, actually, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but there's uh, definitely those darker themes there of uh, how easily his, uh, his partner and his wife and the mother of his children is uh, replaced. Uh, I won't say this on record. I can say it for after we're done recording. Uh, <laughs> what? What? Why? That's so uh, interesting. A, a family it. thing. I, I probably shouldn't oh, say on, okay, re- never mind. <laughs> on recording. <laughs> this movie reminded me of someone in my. You're family. like actually, I know who did kill Pasolini. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh. Oh. Okay, so Joel, we've talked about mediocre white men kind of a lot this season and we we will continue to is this the 
is this the most mediocre, shitty, like, white man protagonist we've had so far? No. No, that's a, ridicu- that's a ridiculous thing to... to uh, You're like, actually, it's a very competitive category. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, the, the votes are not in, but uh, this guy yeah. is by far not the worst, because... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think he's just a big ass fucking idiot. Is is his main problem? Mm-hmm. He's but a he, big idiot. He's like the soft skin guy, but not mm-hmm. as boring, and a little more handsome. But it's like it's this is like the fantasy the soft skin guy wanted, but never right. got because he's so boring. Yeah, that because that incel was like, oh, I deserve this. The other men can have extramarital affairs. Why can't I? A boring economics professor. I don't remember. If only he had that voice. Uh, He was. He wrote books on philosophy. Oh, well, this guy's a carpenter, so. Yes, this guy works with his hands. (laughs) Um. No, he's not the. He's definitely not the biggest asshole because, mm. like you said, and I, I think that uh, I, I always go back to uh, Godard's most famous movie, Breathless. Breathless, yes, mm-hmm. and how much of a fucking prick that guy was. Now, I, in his de- whether in defense he was of, a com- in defense of uh, the Breathless protagonist, Amanda, you can tag into if you want to. Uh, I think he's he's generally really stupid, in that, yes. that and, and I can't I, and I th- and so like he doesn't think things through. And where this guy, genuine Francois, genuinely thinks like, oh, I deserve this, I can do this, and he rationalizes it. Where in Breathless, it's more just like, I don't know, uh, I just want to do this thing right now, and he does. And it's, there's not as much like thought uh, into it. Yes. It, this, yeah. I agree with that. The, the guy, the 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 main dude, uh, thinks he invent he reinvented the fucking wheel is is his problem. He's a fucking moron who thinks, oh my god, this feels good and happy. Well, that must mean it's good because as long as it's happy, I'm happy. And look how happy I'm at home now. Oh, you seem happier than normal. No reason why. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. Um, you know, it's like as long as we're all happy, what does it matter if I'm doing things that are unhappy? And how could my wife not be happy if it makes me happy? Happy, happy. Yeah. Happy. The best is it's like I'm all about telling the truth, so I'm gonna tell you. And it's just like what? Like that doesn't make it better. Like, just, like yeah. Exactly. Just to let you know. I have started an extramarital affair, and I love this woman. But don't worry, don't worry. I still love you and the kids. I still yeah. want to have sex. I guess, I guess I guess it could be worse. It's not like he like doesn't think he's like Humphrey Bogart, like speaking of breathless, like. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like that was probably the worst part to me that he thought it made it okay because he he tells both women that no, oh, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna hide anything from you. So so you know, oh, isn't it great? I love you too, still. Isn't this awesome? It's just like, um, I mean, I don't know if it's too early to get to the drowning, but I have a theory. <laughs> let's get let's get straight to it. Go ahead. I, I think I th- honestly like. Then this is just I could be way off base on this. This is just me, but 
there at least going back to vagabond there's a lot that happens in vagabond that i really like that like occurs off screen and like it wants you like the audience to kind of piece that together yourself and it like mm-hmm. reminds me of the way like hollywood used to approach movies when they were actually like dangerous and like caring about the audience and didn't think the audience was stupid and that was like the early horror movies like universal horror like stuff would happen off screen like so yeah like, did like, off like, did yeah like brian yeah. frankenstein is super gay and they yeah. had to stick it past exactly or like exactly or like uh even like uh the mummy the original the mummy like you just saw like the bandages on the floor like and you knew like that he was like up and alive and moving like th- there was just like really cool stuff that they did to get past kind of the rules at the time but also that treated the audience like they weren't a bunch of idiots which now they are unable to doing that but keep uncapable of doing that but whatever but like but to my point with um with th- like i think he drowned her or some other scumbag man drowned her like i don't think she, like i know they showed a clip of her like in the water like and holding on to something like, and like struggling like, oh, help me. Yeah. yeah but like that doesn't mean that he or somebody else didn't hear or know she was there you know what i mean so uh what i uh texted spencer uh, after not long after seeing this movie was uh let me see what i i'm gonna read this text specifically Sure, not to interrupt you, I mean, there were a lot of people around that body of water, like, fishing and hanging out, so there's, like, no way, you know what I mean? Like, regardless of how large it was, that nobody had any idea that there was somebody struggling to stay afloat. So, whether or not it was her her husband or somebody, like, I mean, whether or not it was him, like, somebody must have seen it and just not cared, because you know what? We just have, we all have other women, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, Spencer texted me. Uh, happiness was incredible, and yeah. I had already watched it and had the same opinion. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I yeah. like to like to tease Spencer, so I said, "Oh, really? <laughs> uh, was the wife's death an accident or a suicide, in your opinion?" And yeah. he texted me back, "Suicide. Francois is scum. That is also my opinion." Interesting. You think she actually killed herself? Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean. I don't, I don't think, think that your your idea is unreasonable either because right. it's not like you get a clear explanation. Yeah. I mean, clearly, I, like, I don't think yeah. he's as sinister as like Tom Ripley would be. Right. Like Tom right. Ripley, like we just did Purple Noon, so like like this is kind of similar in certain ways. Like Ripley would have killed her without thinking about it and very swiftly, and like he would have disposed of the body. And this right. guy, I don't think, is capable of that. Yeah, but I think he's capable of not noticing things, I guess is my, my main yeah. point. Like, well, Yeah, obviously he's yeah, oblivious. Exactly. And, and and then I think that that's, we're, we're selectively oblivious based on what the situation is. So I, I don't know. I, ju- I just find it really hard to believe that if not him, somebody else didn't witness that. And then just kind of it fits the overall theme uh, that we started out with where like, you know, here's another scumbag guy, you know what I mean? And, and, and how many of them are, are out there, you know, to, to her point and her general point of this movie. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just think there was something a little more nefarious there that was up to the viewer to kind of figure out, even though she clearly shows her struggling in the water to stay afloat. Yeah. Like the, the moment you first see the woman at the, uh, phone center, mm. mm-hmm. like my first thought is, Oh, he's going to be a little flirty and that's it. Because I didn't know where she was going, and then he, he he keeps seeing her again. It's like, wait a second. Yeah, he's bold about it too. Like <laughs> he goes out with her to like lunch and takes like takes her places. So it's it's pretty. 
Is yeah, like, I, I have several points like before like they start hooking up. It's like, put your dick sure. away already, Jesus. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, he's going to like cheat on his wife. Yeah, yeah. but it's okay because everybody knows. So. I mean, because this movie was made by Agnes Varda, we, we get this point, the point of view mm-hmm. in, a, in a completely different way because... Exactly. Uh, I think that extra fair, extramarital affairs, whether or not they're commonplace in France, I don't know. Based on the media I've consumed by them, it seems to be something that just happens, and or back at least back then, I don't know about currently. Right. And you were just like okay well i got caught i'll break it off and your life goes on as it is and eventually you'll start up another one or something like that and in this movie him playing the whole like uh the line line by leaving out details kind of thing mm-hmm. the absence of details therefore obs obs ob- you know what word I'm trying to say. Skipping over the truth. Uh, when, you know, oh, I'm going to go put up a shelf. Like, and then later he's like, I don't want to, I don't lie. I'm an honest person. Like, I can also see this person, if if it ever got to the point where there was going to be an argument between husband and wife, where she's like, you lied to me. He could honestly be, try to pull that shit where you go, I told you I was working and I did work that day. I just happened to go screw a different lady, okay? <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> and I still don't think he's the worst person because he didn't annoy me as a character. <laughs> he didn't annoy you? No? Okay. No, no. I'm not All saying right. I want to go hang out with him. I'm just saying that I'd rather hang out with him than Breathless McGillicuddy. Oh, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. I mean, like, you could... Jean-Paul Belmondo, I think, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Breathless, the Belmondo character, like, you couldn't talk to him about anything. That's true. He's just kind of this blank slate of, like... Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't know shit. (laughs) Yeah, like... Yeah. He he wants to fuck, he wants to do crime stuff, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) nothing else. (laughs) Have sex, do crime. (laughs) Check. Um... I mean, this movie, though, like, like I said, like, I don't know if he's like, I guess it's, again, it's up to interpretation, which is another thing that makes her movies fun is, uh, I I think he's just selectively oblivious. And then when he thinks that he doesn't have that opportunity, he has to then um, just be transparent about things, of course, and then thinks that then that makes that okay. Um, Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's under the under the delusion that because he's happy... Yeah, everybody is. ...his wife will be happy for him. Right, right. And it's like, do you not know how much you can hurt somebody? Right. You don't even have to do something as scummy as you did to, to, to hurt somebody the way that she probably was hurt right then. Of course, like, I, I think that that's, a, that's a good scene when, like, he first, I think, tells, he first tells his wife, like, when they're, actually, right before she, uh, she commits suicide or gets murdered or drowns or whatever happens there. Right after they finish making love. Exactly. In the grass. Like, <laughs> and, and yeah. just heard the look on her face, which is, which is, uh, it's pretty clear that she's not all about that. So, that's what led me to, you know, clearly, like, either, like, what I said, like, ob- oblivious or... I mean, I don't think anybody, like, held her underwater, but I think that, that somebody was definitely aware, or they knew that something wasn't right, and they just didn't care. 
but like to my point too like i know there's uh some i'm trying to kind of remember a little bit of what varda said but like there's i remember her saying at one point that like her the movies she that she makes um are, are are movies that 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 men would never make or something or at least from her perspective like it, it literally it's it's something that only you know sh- she can do and feels that she could do um i'm trying to remember the quote exactly off the top of my head i don't have it in my notes but definitely when you watch this it's like it's it's clearly because it's coming from her and her perspective and what she's experienced and and what she's trying to say and just her as a woman that's able to say this like you know what i mean so it doesn't come across as as forced or pushy or, or or i think conveyed in the wrong way like i really you like see um in the face of the actors like like how like the garbage this behavior really is um which is which is wonderful i think that if it wasn't varda or somebody that understood it it would come off terribly and this would not be a classic that people wanted to see yeah uh, you could really easily mess this up <laughs> Yeah, like, and her being, like, basically the one-woman filmmaker of the new yeah. wave, too, like, because, you know, like, like uh, um, Truffaut was apparently was kind of like that. I'm sure uh, Godard's like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, but also, I can't help but think, um, I'm going with this, but, like, even the ones who were good with, like, women, like, uh, uh, like, Rivette and mm-hmm. Romare later on, like, I don't think they could do this good of a job of, like, showing how scummy male behavior can be mm-hmm. and have it feel legitimate and feel real and not you know like i said forced or even you know that that all men are this way you know what i mean like it kind of it does it in in, in a in a way that that's that's i mean it feels real and that's like at the same time there's that that almost fantasy like feel that this movie has yep. um, yeah um it, it's, it's like almost this, dreamlike it's like this like heteronormative fantasy basically yeah yeah, like exactly. All, all yeah. the gender roles. Oh, sorry, what were you saying, Joel? <laughs> no, I, like even even so much as as when the I, w- I was imagining somebody trying to indicate the wife's reaction when he admits what's been going on, yeah, and how they would have fucked it up, like yeah. leaving it to our imagination. And even when she gives that quick like vision where we see her struggling, that's. Like, I interpret that as the husband's, like, vision of what happened. Like, oh, right. she must have slipped and fell. Oh, no, my <laughs> poor wife, <laughs> who I love. Oh, my God. Yeah. But like, the, like, the ginger roll stuff, like, he yeah. he's a carpenter. That's a like, traditionally very male craftsman type type job. And it is. Jesus was a carpenter. Yeah. That, that is true. Uh <laughs> And, and and the wife makes dresses and she's always like wearing a dress that she made it's so, like she yeah. she does work but she is doing like something that's very very traditionally feminine and i don't think yeah. i ever see her like in pants like at all i think she's always in a dress or, or maybe I, like, yeah I, that's a great point like yeah they're very masculine and feminine roles well yep yeah i think too like um let's see i found let me see. I had the actually, and I just lost it. I had the quote that uh, Varda said because I was I had it in my notes, or was it? I was trying to like reference it before, and where is it? You're gonna have to edit a lot out. I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. fine. Keep it all in. Keep it. It's all, all in. gold. We should have kept the beginning part in. Yeah. That was good. That's true. 
See, with when you're on the other podcast, we do you, that beginning part would have been in. Yeah, but it has, we haven't released any of the episodes yet, so but. can't wait. Um, mm. She said something. Oh, here we go. I have a part of the quote. So my photos, my craft, my film, my life are all on my terms, my own terms, and I specifically wanted to not do it like a man. There we go. So yeah, that's very much this movie. Like I really felt that with this movie, I, arguably with Vagabond and other movies as well, but this one, definitely. Um, yeah, it feels like the look of it and the set design and color, like it feels very Wes Anderson, but yes. but far more sinister than he'd ever ever go. Even yeah. though Grand Budapest is pretty sinister, it's more depressing than sinister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then like also Michelle Gondry, who uh, uh, someone I I really dearly love. Who mm-hmm. like has the same like very imaginative kind of dreamy, uh, like the uh, type of like color scheme and um, set mm-hmm. design, mm-hmm. but he also has never really gone this sinister. Like he he keeps it kind of it'll be depressing, but it will never be like the sinister. And like I just love this how how like, how like, like evil this movie is. <laughs> While it, while it has the appearance of like, oh, it's just like a a, a pastiche Wes Anderson type movie, is like how yeah. like some people could look at it now. Yeah, and then the, I think the most sinister piece of all is how quickly the children accept her. <laughs> like oh, immediately, yeah. immediately, and like there's a scene with like in the woods where he's like, oh, I'll just le-, like he says something along the lines of I'll I'll just leave you alone to to like you know to to bond with them or something something like that, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And then, like, that just that, that idea of, like, just innocence. Like, of course, um, those children just, you know, they're along for the ride, it appears. And they're they're willingly accepting it. And I just thought that that was, that definitely, I was, like, the icing on that cake in terms of how just um, dark it all is and, and she, messed up. She's, you know. She is also along for the ride. Oh, absolutely. Like... like she knew she was having an affair with a married man. She, yes. And she even said, like... She did it before. You know, like, <laughs> I know it's not going to last, so it's okay. Yeah. Kind of giving him, like, the, the like, oh, she's not going to be in trouble kind of thing like that. And, like, oh, by the way, my wife died, so uh, your new wife. Yeah. Here, put on this, put on this dress. Like, literally, she, she wasn't wearing anything like the other. And then yeah, she is, she's, she's, she's dressing like that. She's very modern and, like, uh, like, a, like a 60s woman. And, like... Uh, you know, uh, at the time, like, like you know, like very modern pop and like pop fashion of her era, and then once she became a, a mom figure, she's just wearing dresses and doing mom stuff. Yeah, yeah. so I I'm, guess the wrong with dresses. yeah, out with the old and with the new. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. I, I basically put in my notes for the end part. Uh, he gets both the, he gets both uh, with the other woman a ho- a new hole to fuck and a mom to the kids. Yes. Yeah. Which is basically, you know, all he wants. And there's even that part where he's, like, talking to his brother, like, well, you two can take care of the kids. I have to work. Yeah. 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 I don't even... It's... It's so... Like, I think part of the... Part of the reason it works is because his actions seem perplexing. Um, Because... Before he starts this affair, you know, it is all colorful out. Like we're we're spending out time outside, which is his favorite time. You know, springtime, summertime. The sunflowers, yeah. Out there, and like I wouldn't fucking blame him. Like I get color color coordinate my outfits to go hang out outside. Fuck yeah, 
Let's, I'm going to enjoy this to the full extent. Uh, you know, when he, when the undercurrent of this affair is going on, and the movie's tone doesn't change, mm-hmm. it's it's almost kind of a a non-slap in the face. I guess I don't know how to say it. Like, like you were expecting, oh, this is where it's going to turn, and then it doesn't. Right. That's and what makes it really it's, scary. <laughs> exactly. It's so fucking yeah. effective. So good. Yeah. 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 I can't but wonder, like. What, did like shock to me do something like this when they first started dating <laughs> it, it does feel like it, it's it feels really raw like it was experienced no i i yeah i mean i i don't know that, uh, that is what my partner sarah also said because yeah uh, they, they like were married feels... they were married already and had a kid by this point to i to which i wittily said well it would have been a man if it was somebody he was having an affair with i assume i don't know <laughs> was, wasn't he like uh, he, he supposedly bisexual, at least. Possibly. I think supposedly. I know he, that like she he died from AIDS, but I don't know how he got the AIDS. No, oh. he, he apparently well, did maybe die. That's... I know like she had a son with him, but I'm pretty sure she had a daughter um, with uh, the uh, the actor. Uh, what's his name? Antoine from uh, Cleo from Five to Seven. That like when her and and Demi were together, like he kind of. Uh, I think he legally adopted her as as a uh, as his oh, daughter. Nice. Yeah, but it, but yeah. Again, to your point, like it feels like this was experienced, but it also has that dreamlike quality to it. So, I mean, it it feels like a nightmare. I think it's probably the a sunshiny nightmare, which I think is what makes it like super radical. Like I can't imagine like 1965 like seeing this and being like, oh, like expecting to see maybe like I mean the, a, a, a somewhat. Um, friendly happy movie and then <laughs> and then it just kind of it's it ends rather abruptly it seems and then just you know with them kind of all happy in the woods together yay yeah and the whole image of like the family in a background it's and it's faded and so like when, when it first starts you're like oh it's just this him and the wife and the kids and then at the yeah. end you realize oh that's this other woman and all, all women are replaceable to him yep yep um, I I do have empathy for him after the loss of his wife, it, but because how long I mean, did that last? Really, well, the the <laughs> thing is, you can't really say any of these people are like character, like true characters, except for the I think the woman he's having an affair with, because she seems to have had a a whole life that she'd been living right before. And it describes to him, and that's like one of yeah. the reasons why he finds her interesting. It's like nothing that he yeah. had been living through, and but his life is everything we see on the screen. And you, when it comes to his wife's life, we don't learn anything about her. Just what her day job is, and, and yeah, that she's you know quote unquote happily married. Like, and so my empathy was like. To be somebody so stupid mm-hmm. that you think everything's going to be fine and you it fucking blows up in your face like that. Like, yeah. It, I, I honestly would have empathy for almost anyone that, like, had fucked up that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, resetting into the old ways things, like, you, you get... I mean, personally, I get the feeling that, like, 
it's not gonna it's not gonna last this way it's you know the doom and gloom of winter is right around the corner uh right because we're we're playing with the seasons the whole time there and winter is his worst time that's true yeah Uh, I mean, he's yeah. Uh, yeah. I still think he's a piece of shit. I just oh, okay. I can have empathy for a piece of shit. <laughs> I, I can't to an extent. That's true. Just like his whole, like, but honey, I can love you just as much as I love her. Stuff is like, okay, shut the fuck up already. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like I, I lost empathy for him. Like, pretty much, like once he started talking about uh, like the the philosophy of like so much love. And it's like, no, you just want, you just want a, a woman to have sex with who's better, who's not your wife, basically. That's mm. that's, that's all you want. I, yeah. St- it, like it almost feels like a like a Romare movie talking about p- philosophy, except mm-hmm. you can actually get like the the sex a lot quicker. <laughs> He's an honest man who thinks that he has honest emotions, but he he doesn't have enough self. Uh, reflection to know the difference between something that is good for him something that is good for everyone and something that everyone is going to like even if or someone something that everyone's going to accept just because he has accepted it like uh, right I don't but but find find me a man from that era that did not have <laughs> that that had emotional intelligence, and uh, I'll I'll show yeah. you Francois Truffaut maybe. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, but Truffaut also cheated on his wife all the time too. Yes, but he was a weenie. No, I don't know. I, I didn't know he was ever married. Truffaut. I don't know. I don't know anything about any of these guys' oh. history. I, just know that Truffaut tends to do move the the movies that I've seen mm. are like you know men are kind of scum. Yeah, but <laughs> like hey, I, Truffaut, you're right. Yeah, but also and close encounters. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's yeah, looking exactly. at he's looking at himself too. Like oh, I do this shit too. Yes, <laughs> you uh, you're going to leave your family for these aliens? Oh, okay, asshole. I mean, uh, oh sorry, that's a French for uh, more wine. <laughs> Yeah, that, that part didn't the first time I saw that movie before I knew who Truffaut was, I was like, "Why is this NASA guy French? This is weird." <laughs> That's good. Oh, they don't. Oh, you saying they ain't good enough to have space travel in France? Ain't you? It's as if like, mm-hmm. it, it's just a weird element to throw in if you don't really know who Truffaut is and like, uh, and why he's there. It's just kind of like. Huh, this this weird French guy works in the government. Okay. It does, it, it sticks out. Sure. I, it's not my favorite Spielberg by far. But uh <laughs> Yeah. You know. Alright. Um I, I think we did enough spoiler alerts for um for happiness, but again, if you made it this far, just watch it. It literally is a hor- it's literally a horror movie, like honestly. It really is. I mean, it's kind of just disguised as as being anything but and it, it seems like I think it's like it, it appears like on the surface, like I think if you just kind of like I said, like don't read anything um any reviews since this has been out since 1965. Uh you know, you just kind of stay away from all that. And you just look at the poster even. It looks like it's 
You know, it looks it's like just a another, musical. Doesn't it? it? It looks like it's like okay, maybe uh, Varda finally <laughs> did her umbrellas a Sheerborg. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, it looks like it, the color palette for um, uh, yeah. Young Girls of Rochefort. Yeah, and then uh, in 2021, like one of the kids might be like, "Hey, I'm hip. This is looks like Midsummer." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I think that's what makes it interesting. Is it, it yeah. definitely if you like again, like just going blind. That's that's the best way to watch this, and then be prepared for just some absolutely terrifying and insane uh, things that take place, especially with um, how quickly we get over terrifying things. Um, mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, Francois. Um, so yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Uh yeah, I don't know if Varda calls herself a feminist necessarily, but you can definitely like see feminism within her work. But I don't want to like uh, apply that term to her personally because I don't really know how if she uh, self-identifies as that. If who did? Uh, Varda. Um. The the director Daisy is like she never called like her her work feminist. And she kind of pushed back on that a little bit. So I don't want to like... I mean, I I do know that... um, I mean, that's clearly like... she. I know she's considered that because of her creation of the the female cinematic voice. Um, And kind of like what I mentioned to you where like... I was trying to find that quote and I kind of did where like she wanted to do everything her way from her perspective... Um, because she didn't feel that a, a man could convey her her vision and her voice the way she should, which absolutely makes sense. Um, I, I think that she's just focused on, uh, like, just from all of her movies, just focused on women's issues. But I, I mean, I could be entirely wrong. I don't think she's ever identified herself that way. I think that's just been kind of, you know, she's doing these things. She does it from that perspective. She has that to say. And then she was labeled that way, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't ever remember her saying that is what I am. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know why anyone would be afraid of the the label of feminist. Yeah. Now, I, can, uh-huh. I can understand why you wouldn't want a piece of your own artwork to, right. be, cons- to be fall under that particular label if mm-hmm. you want it simply to be a reflection of what you wanted to put on the screen, you know, whether it was a f- feminist right. inspired or, or what. Yeah, like but you also, should just like, take this person as a filmmaker, and this is that person's film. Yes, yeah. but, I, but if somebody were to hold air, this uh, up, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think just generally with her movies, I, I think that is what she is. But I think more importantly, like big picture, it's her movies are entirely unique. Like, I mean, again, to your point earlier of like if you they're so different, but I think at the same time, like once you know it's her. Um, and you're watching it and you know it's it's a movie by her then it's like oh, okay that's why this has this com- this complexity of like it's a hybrid of things it's it's sometimes fiction and it's sometimes documentary and you know she doesn't simply put people in a box and then label them as such and then you know categorize them in a certain way like they there's more to her characters um, and like I think it's very much just you know this is her and I, and I think she is you know a feminist and she is you know th- this voice and, and she is unique but i think again like it's 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 very much like her her fingerprints are on this i don't think anybody could make anything like this especially to your point with that time like 
So of all the French new waves, um, French new wave directors, I mean, it's Agnes Varda and then everybody else. You know what I mean? It's you know Jacques Demy, it's Francois Truffaut, it's Godard. Like you know, so she's consistently. I, I think she's she's considered the queen of the French new wave or the grandmother of French new wave. So, and that kind of sums it up. And she did it first too. Yeah, exactly. And usually, uh, Chaparral gets the credit, but yeah, uh, if you do do your homework, uh, she kind of did it first before Chaparral. Yes. Yep. Yep. And my favorite thing she ever did was for the Oscars a couple of years ago. Um, instead of flying over to America, either because she either because she was working or didn't feel like coming over, she s- sent several cardboard cutouts of herself in different poses. <laughs> To like yes. the to like the luncheon, and it's so delightful to see like pictures of like Kumail Nanjiani with like the cutout of her like smiling doing a silly pose. That's fantastic. It wouldn't be any different. Uh, it's just totally, totally what yeah. I would expect. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did uh, you know Spencer that yes. she did a short film that had your girlfriend Isabel Adjani in it? Uh, she made a lot of movies, so I'm sure they crossed paths at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at this one. <laughs> You've got beautiful stairs, you know, from 1986. I want to see that now. I love Isabel uh, Adjani. Uh, I know that's not your real girl. Your real girlfriend is uh, what's her face? Um, Shelley Duvall. The Shining. Yes. No, no, from Popeye. And you're just like I love them all. Isn't that okay? <laughs> no, you like all the actresses. Yeah. 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 From three women. Yes. <laughs> shining this, shining that. She she's better in the Altman stuff than with Kubrick. Hmm. I'm tired of all the shining. Like the only. Uh, <laughs> As a Shelley diehard, I'm just so tired of, like, did you know Shelley Duvall was abuse on set? Like, yeah, I know. Oh. And, and, and she made other movies besides The Shining that are better than The Shining. I thought you were going to mention, like, the recent obsession with, I guess, like, the nostalgia, powerful drug, whatever nonsense, but, like, The Shining, like, like being referenced in, like, so many new movies and, like, the, like... I don't know. Like I just, I just find it obnoxious. But maybe that's just yeah, me. Some, some yeah. people just discovered it again or something. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty it, wild. It's good. It's just I'm tired of it yeah. as a whole. And Kubrick, it's kind of like I went through my intense Kubrick phase. I went through my Shining phase, and uh, it's just kind of like can we can, can like film Twitter move on to someone else? I'm tired of that leaking in. It's <laughs> the same like five people, and on a good yeah. day, it's ten. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I wish people can discover her Altman work and go crazy for it, like they go crazy for. I mean, show. I don't. You don't assume. The, I assume I that people aren't like. If somebody says that to me, the message I take away from that is that Stanley Kubrick was a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thank you for making your great movies, but fuck you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not that like that's the only interesting thing about Shelley Duvall. Like, well, I, I have a Google alert set for Shelley Duvall, and uh-huh. almost all of it is a Shining related. That's because Google the Google alert things that are popping up are all like five movies you didn't know Shelley Duvall was abused on. I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Thank you, BuzzFeed, and they're actually all the Shining. They're just weird cuts of it. Yeah, speaking of people who are talking about 
that on writing articles about that i feel like tend to not they're not movie dorks <laughs> so yeah i, I don't know I it's don't. just like every time like i hope there's some new like thing she's working on like because she's doing like a coloring book thing for charity that she's signing mm. but i'm not gonna buy it. i don't have the space for it and i probably won't do it realistically mm. unless you want to get it for me for christmas joel it's sixty dollars <laughs> i already wrote it down <laughs> okay but uh yeah uh but uh yeah the i went off a, a tangent who cares so yeah they're uh the Varda movies, I think, are all on Cartoon Channel. Mm-hmm. Or at least, yeah. And I um, think so. I mean, and then there's the pretty amazing uh, set that Criterion released. Yeah, uh, I'm. I might get that uh, next year at some point. That's my plan. There, there are a couple, of the, a couple of the big box sets. I'm like, I gotta get that uh, the Jacques Tati one. Then every time, like, I don't want to spend that much money <laughs> on a, the, on a I mean, set. Yeah. Honestly, like, they're they're really nice, but like the the Godzilla one, like it's a book, and like I can't actually put it on a shelf. Like I have it like on my TV stand, like so some of the like some of these are just so massive. It's like it looks nice, but like what am I supposed to do with it now? Like, <laughs> like what is this behind a glass case it, where it's facing out? Seriously, and, and then like it, it honestly, I'm, 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 I guess this is like super like annoying like collectory complaint, but like. So these sets look really nice, and the movies are amazing, but, like, the discs are held in, like, in paper. And, like, yeah. it's really hard to get them out, and then it's like, like, you know what, crap. Like, even though I got this 50% off and I had a coupon, like, this still was a lot of money. So, like, if I yeah. scratch something, I'm going to get really upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, <laughs> that that's 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 my opinion on those. But, I mean, yeah. yeah. Same issue it's, with the James Bond 50, 50 anniversary Blu-ray yeah. set. Yeah, yeah. It's great, yeah. It, but I can't store it anywhere, and every time I'm like, I hope I don't ruin a disc. Yeah, that's literally my, yeah. like, the stress of it is, it's like, oh, I, I want to watch one of these now, it's like, oh my god, time to have a heart attack. Like, <laughs> I yeah. have the same problem with all the paper sleeves I get from the gas station, mm-hmm. where I buy all my DVDs and Blu-rays. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I should also clarify that that was one of the last gifts my grandma got me for Christmas, so also I kind of... I, I also don't want to watch them to the point where the discs start getting scratchy or potentially root lose them. Yeah. That was like oh, one, Jam- the James Bond? Yes, that was one of the last gifts my grandma ever got me. Oh, yes. that's really nice. nice. That's awesome. Yeah, actually, I, 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 Even if you never watch a single one of those, that is still an incredibly thoughtful gift for you. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to watch Die Another Day. It's okay. No, I, you have to watch I, I, I kind of I, I like how much of a, a complete mess it is. Minute by minute. <laughs> Yeah, except I'm for still... Ma- except for Madonna song, that's it, it, oh. it's the worst Bond theme, easily. It, yeah. it's it's un it's unforgivable. I'm still like I started like I was like you know what I'm gonna rewatch all the James Bond movies before I see uh, the new one No Time to Die and I was like ten movies in and I was like well I better go see No Time to Die before it leaves the theaters. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I have so many left. I am still in the middle of that marathon. I think the last <laughs> one I watched was The Spy Who Loved Me. So it shows you how, how good I'm doing. That one's really good, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a Craig fan, so I'm in no rush to see the new one. It's it's not bad. I don't it's not talk great. about I try not to talk about who's, it. Who's Craig? Daniel Craig. Is that the guy you go see movies with? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's Craig. I'm Daniel just... Craig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't talk about it on, like, online very much, because then people are like, what do you mean you don't like Daniel Craig ones? Like, I don't want to talk about James Bond with random people. It's 
I get I get kind of intense about talking about James Bond. Yeah. So I tr- I I can't talk about with most people. Okay, so I'll stop talking about it. No, no, no! You're one of the cool. F- yeah, shut you're up. one of the fine people I can talk about it with. Okay, I really like on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Not gonna lie, like I didn't realize I liked it so much until I rewatched it recently. Like that one's really good. Yeah, that's one that's that's really grown on me. But more yeah. is my guy. I like it silly yeah. and goofy. Yeah. I don't like it serious. Yeah. Craig is too grumpy I, and serious for me. I honestly I, I don't know watch. who my guy is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I only watch GoldenEye and Goldfinger, so you know where I'm at. You like the gold? <laughs> I, I love gold. You like, like gold member? <laughs> gold member? Actually, I've never seen that. Oh, movie. man, you got to um, wrap that trilogy up. You don't need to. No, true. Oh, okay. Beyonce is good in it, but yeah. there's mm-hmm. nothing else in it to really forgive. And also, the, all mm. the fat joke stuff is like, eh, I, I, it, it has not aged well. No, mm. you know what's really bad is like I was like this is technically not a Bond movie, but I'm gonna watch it. it was the original Casino Royale? Oh my god, mm. that the movie fifth? is awful. Peter Seller. Oh yeah. wait, the '60s one, the Woody Allen yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, the cast <laughs> is insane. It's awesome, and there's like maybe one or two scenes that were like silly, but I was like, oh my god, I want to kill myself, but I'm gonna commit to finishing this. Like, <laughs> it was bad. Hmm. Yeah. Alright, uh, so 19, so, Joel, I told her, I forgot to tell you, um, so, uh, pick a movie from 65 and six and 85 to recommend, yeah. yeah, and I have mine picked out, I have a, a theme, actually was mine, that worked out perfectly. Alright, well, why don't you guys go ahead? No. Okay. Um, uh, oh, uh, I almost said Melanie. Uh, uh, <laughs> Amanda. You want me uh, to go first? Go yeah. Okay. Um, so 1965. So, like, I was like, alright, so what movies do I love? And I was like, okay, I really like Fist in the Pocket, and I really like, um, Chimes at Midnight, and I really like The Ipcrest File. Like, there's a lot of good stuff. And then I was like, you know what, though? I, I really love, um, I was torn between The Spy Who Came In From The Cold and The Possessed and The Naked Prey. And then I was like, I think The Possessed might be my um, movie to recommend from 1965. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that year. Uh, And there's actually, that's the uh, Rosalini and uh, Frank Rosalini and Luigi Bazzoni movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, I know it's, I think Arrow did a release, Arrow Video a release of it. I'm sure it's on their, like, their streaming service. I don't have their streaming service, but, uh, it is, uh, really feels ahead of its time. It's black and white. Um, it's, uh, kind of about a writer who has, like, a, uh, like, totally, like, a, kind of, like, a writer's block, and then he takes, like, a break in a, in a hotel, and, uh, he it just kind of unravels into this um story where he's kind of looking for a woman he fell in love with and it just is incredibly atmospheric and there's killings and it's just all around like a really cool movie and uh just the the cinematography is awesome just it's it's kind of i remember it being like kind of short um but it's it's definitely a movie to kind of get lost in when you watch it. It's really cool. 
that's my 1965 movie. Yeah. Your 85 movie? Uh, 85. That's tough. Um, kind of like this one. I was like, what do I pick? Um, I'm think I'm gonna go with. Uh, I mean, there's like Tampopo that year. There's After Hours. There's I think Demons. Um, which is really good. Um, I going with uh, Runaway Train. Um, that movie is pretty awesome. Um, I think I actually rewatched it somewhat recently, um, but it is exactly what the title suggests. Um, and basically, they're on and out of control train, and it's kind of this insane, claustrophobic train type movie um, in the wilderness, in the cold. Um, and I like John Voight's in it. Um, and it's just an awesome, like, it feels like a, uh, kind of like a roller coaster ride of a movie. Like, I kind of don't want to give it away, but it's, has a little bit of a claustrophobic vibe. It's just totally wild and just bonkers. And I think it's a canon movie too. Uh, so it just definitely has that feel, but it's, uh, it's awesome. So yeah, Runaway Train. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. for me, my theme is, uh, well, first off, uh, I think people know I'm a big Russ Meyer fan. 65 is Faster Pussycat year. But yes. <laughs> uh, that movie's famous enough already. Uh, so I'm going with uh, someone else that I am a huge fan of. Hideo Gosha. Um, I will use the dreaded uh, underrated word that's used a lot. But I yes. try to use it when it's meaningful. And he, uh, well, I should say in America, he's underrated. In Japan, he was a huge star. Uh, well, a big director, I should say. Not a huge star. But uh, he made a lot of movies, and he had one from 65 and two from 85. The 65 mm. is my least favorite from him, but is still good. Sort of the Beast. It's uh, it's, a, it, it's a riff off of the uh, Yojumbo formula mm-hmm. type uh, in terms of, like tone and uh, violence and like sense of humor. But... It kind of for me it falls apart, but uh, that said, it's still a good movie. It's of the ones I've seen the weakest, but he made like twenty five movies, and I've seen about half of them. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's all I would say about it. Like, it's a good starting point to see like thematically what he's interested in and what he'd continue to do. And so mm-hmm. I think the first one he did with uh, Shima Iwashita. Who it was? Who who is married to uh, uh, Shinoda, and, and they are still they are still married. They are both still alive. Shinoda, I think, is in his nineties, and she's in her eighties. And she's uh, she's a great actress who appeared in a lot of uh, Gosha movies, and a lot of movies. She's one of the big stars of that era. And the other two, uh, who are from eighty five. One is uh, Tracked. Uh, and it's about a serial killer who is mm-hmm. on the run from the police and is not to be confused with the other movie with the same plot starring Kinogata, Vengeance is Mine. It's another serial killer movie <laughs> where he's on a run and was starring Ken, uh, with Kinogata as the serial killer. Mm-hmm. And this is a complete opposite uh, as from Vengeance is Mine. He's actually sympathetic in a person, this one. Or Vengeance Mine, he's just pure evil incarnate. And in this, you actually start to sympathize 
it, it really makes you question, like, can you sympathize with someone who's killed multiple people? And then you see, like, the situations of what happened exactly. And it, it's a very interesting, complex look at uh, uh, at that. And Ken Ogata is, this, to me, fucking incredible. And it's, it's sad he, he died. And I wish he was still making movies. And the other 85 Gosha movie is a movie called Or that I've been trying to get a hold of for a while. It, I don't think it's ever been released out uh, outside Japan. And it's from and in the 80s, uh, Gosha had a big revival because in the 70s he had some personal stuff that uh, happened that kind of halted his career. In the 80s, he's exploded and made like uh, a shit ton of movies in a very short amount of time. And um, in this, I think Or was the first one or one of the first ones that he made independently so it's kind of important for that reason but it's one that I've been wanting to see for a while but it also stars Ken Ogata and uh they made a couple movies out there actually and uh yeah so yeah uh, uh I'm a bit of a, a gosha freak and this is the only time I'd really have to talk about like gosha this much uh, in this uh, in in this season, <laughs> and uh, Tract is not avail not I had a, a release outside Japan. I kind of had to go through the, the gray market to uh, to get a hold of it, but it is out there if you look for it. And Sword of the Beast is on Criterion Channel, and and DVD. Yeah, Three Outlaw Samurai too, right? I think. Yes, that was his first movie. Yeah. Alright, uh, J-Dog? Leave me alone. Okay. No. Um, okay, so... 65 was a pretty fucking good year. Yeah. When it comes to schlock. Yeah. Oh, so I'm having a hard time okay. picking. That play pit? Because the bloody pit of horror came out this year. Which I, I think I've, I've screamed about many times on this podcast already. And we even did an entire episode... On uh, the uh, Grindbin podcast mm-hmm. as guests, although I think part of our audio is missing from that, so you'll never know the real truth. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that's a spectacular. Calling it Jallo is is disrespectful to that genre. <laughs> it's it's just an Italian horror movie with the uh, happens to star. Uh, Famous bodybuilder Mickey Hargitay, father of as uh, father of Marishka Hargitay. Uh, at the time, I think he was married to uh, Marishka Hargitay's mother, who is uh, that famous actress who died in the car accident. What's her name? Uh, Jane. No. Uh, Jane. What? Fuck. What is Jane it? Mansfield? Jane, yes. Mansfield. Yes. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Uh, idiots go to a castle without checking first if it was okay to go to the castle and when they're there they try to do some photos for a horror movie thing and people suddenly start dying weirdly and the owner of the house he turns out to be a super awesome freak like the bloody pit of horror is so much fun if you haven't watched it you should watch it there's a blu-ray coming out pretty soon from I don't remember who it was was it uh, I think Severin or Synapse. That sounds like Severin would do that. It was Severin. Yeah. Yes, it was Severin. Yeah. That's why 
I don't uh, often pay attention to what they're releasing, but obviously I've got a uh, uh, special love for that movie. Severin is putting out a, a Blu-ray box of uh, not uh, the I think first time released in America non-exploitation movies from Italy. Mm, cool. That I That's of course I cool. pre-ordered. Uh, they do great work. They do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Severin put out I the j- baby on on DVD years ago. I just, uh, yeah, I just usually don't recognize the name of the things that they're putting out. It doesn't mean I don't want it. Yeah. Uh, another movie that came out this year that uh, Spencer introduced me to, another one that I've recommended on the podcast before, is The Tenth Victim. Uh, mm. We did an episode of that on Please Don't Send Me in Irish Space. Ilya Petri. Yep. Stars uh, Marcello Mastriano, Mastriani and Ursula Andress. And it is proto-reality TV, before the concept even existed, where uh, assassins have to face off against one another until there is only one left out of the 11, and they are then given the Big Hunt Prize, which I think is a huge amount of money and a huge amount of fame. And it is, it's incredibly silly on purpose. It's, it's, not, it's not one of those, like, it's so bad it's good movies. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's purposely... Uh, funny and but it's also very creative very entertaining to marcello's super charming ursula andres is super charming like uh and that that one has a blu-ray from a different another different company or <laughs> company that i don't remember the name of hold on i'm looking it is wait a minute this is isn't that blue version. underground i think it's blue underground yes totally blue underground thank you you're welcome Another company that every once in a while I'm like, ooh, I do need that. How yeah, do you know? Dead and buried, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for so uh, like more like this a uh, cartarian type people are uh, no uh, Elio Petri did uh, investigation of a citizen. What? what? Above uh, suspicion. Yes, yes, that one. Yeah, that movie's amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, some other really good. All those movies are very political. Even Test Victim is very political. But, yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, all his, like, like he, he he has done some like quote unquote like criterion like tier like more serious minded stuff. Sure, I'd say the tenth victim is his uh, vagabond. No, that's Robocop. Not <laughs> it's his <laughs> Robocop. No, that's it not true. Either. It kind of is Robocop with like the. Shh. All it's right. a movie about serious things. It is though. <laughs> oh. Uh, eighty-five. Uh. There are a lot of things that are also schlock, but I think are considered high art, high art by people now. Mm-hmm. So let me just <laughs> rattle off a, a couple real quick. Uh, we've got Jim Cotta. Came out there. Kurt Thomas, uh, uh, gold Olympic medalist, I believe, learning the art. The, uh, he, didn't, was it the, he was not in the Olympics. Reagan took us out of the Olympics. Uh, I believe he won the entire Olympics. Um <laughs> And uh, it was all held in uh, Parmesan or Parmistan, yeah. Anyways, he's okay. So he didn't go to the Olympics. Fine, fine. I'll make up my own story about it. He's he was the president of Jim Land, and he goes to a quote unquote foreign country and kicks people's asses with the power of gymnastics. Hold on, what is this movie? <laughs> Jim Jim Kata, G Y M K A T A. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, the skill of gymnastics, uh, the kill of karate. It's the I think the guy from uh wait. 
I think it's like the the the, the big muscle guy from China O'Brien is in it. But I'm not 100% if it's the same guy. I don't know what you're talking about. China O'Brien, the Cynthia Rothrock movie. You're saying Kurt Thomas is in Cynthia? The, the, the big muscle man and Jim Carter. Oh. Uh, Richard Norton. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. It doesn't huh. matter if Richard... It, yes, uh, it is Richard Norton. I don't vaguely right. know okay. what you're talking about. <laughs> Lady Hawk also came out this year, which I think oh, is... Oh, Lady Hawk's really cool. You want me to say underrated? You hate the word underrated? I'm going to say it. This is an underrated You're like, it's a hidden gem. Movie. Uh, and I think the problem is that they try to Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick's character, and him talking... Because he, like, actually addresses the camera in this movie. It's like, come on. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, sir, I'm talking to God. You know, God never talks back to me. but or, or does God ever talk back to you? Like, or I can't remember what the line is. But, like, uh, uh, Rutger Hauer playing a good guy. That's That, that seems like a rare situation. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is really good. Alfred Molina, really good. Um, yeah, I, like, it's, it's a fantasy movie that is a lot of fun. If You should watch it if you haven't. That's the, um, the guy that did Lethal Weapon. Yeah. That's a uh, Dick Donner, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Superman. There you go. Uh, Friday the 13th, Part 5. I'm just going to skip that because... Is that the one people hate? A... That's the one everyone hates that I think is really fun. That's fine. Well, then you can't hmm. enjoy it. And that's right. <laughs> oh. That's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's Roy... Yes, that's Roy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mom, Jason, 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 Roy, Jason, 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 Jason. Uh, Phenomena, yeah. another uh, Dario Argento movie, a one that kind of gets sidelined compared to Suspiria and some of the other stuff. Uh, um, you, yeah. I don't know. People don't like bugs. There's uh, a lot of bugs in it. The, the for a long time the only cut in America was uh, cut at was like oh. a shorter version. The Creepers version, or whatever it was called. <laughs> yes. Apparently, that uh, version sucks. Ah, I don't know. It, two cuts are on the. Uh, that's another Synapse release uh, Blu-ray. Um, the somebody on Twitter was like, "Can you name another Donald Pleasant movie besides Halloween that you like him in?" I'm like, uh, "Phenomenon, Phenomenon." Can you hear me? No. Okay, never mind. I said Great Escape because I, I like dad movies. Mm. I have I haven't seen The Great Escape. Oh, it's it's a great like Sunday afternoon movie. Mm. Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Oh yeah. Is is a horror movie. It's disgusting. It's it's very funny also, and it is so well done. Like the creature effects are scary. Yeah, that zombie like tar zombie is like ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and like this is a movie I was like, I'm never gonna watch that movie because I don't like gross things. Yeah. And, and one day I was just like, ah, okay, let's watch this. And I was so glad I did because it is, I, in my opinion, it is legitimately a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, somebody could argue with me and tell me I'm I'm fucking crazy, and I'll say you're probably right. But I I happen to think it was good. And uh, the last schlocky movie I'll mention is this movie, the Lindern movie called Come and See. Um, 
Alam Kilmov. Like the the premise of this movie is, what is this wacky kid gonna get up to next? You know, he, he starts <laughs> off, yeah, he takes his gun, he's gonna join the army. What a good little soldier! And then everything goes to fucking hell. Like literally, like on camera. Like, yeah. like this. Like we were talking about happiness being a nightmare. Come and see is a realistic night depiction of nightmare Hell. war just yeah. taking over your entire life and how fucking horrible it is yeah the bar- so it's the, barn's, really the barn scene is like ingrained that's Ugh. yeah that's a, yeah, like that's I, had to take, I had to take breaks with that movie yeah every, yeah. every time something horrible happened I, I need like a half an hour break just to decompress the barn scene uh, i never yeah. want to watch it again <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important. Like, I think this is an important film for people in general. Like, a, a misunderstanding of of the honor or nobility of of fighting in a war. You know, like parts of like Saving Private Ryan. Like, yeah, you're you're seeing like how terrible it is. Your friends dying around you, and like the things that people, you know, people will do, like leave somebody out so that the sniper can hit them, or like the guy you saved stabbing you. It's like, oh my god, the enemy is so bad. Here's the thing in war, it really seems like everybody is fucking terrible, and yeah. war is just terrible in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was that was a movie about soldiers. This is a movie about like, a kid who can't be a soldier and immediately is in over his head yeah yeah more like like my philosophy in war movies it should be like come and see or it should be like um like uh 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 the lena vertmuller world war ii movies the what the lena vertmuller world war ii movies the ones uh what's it no it's uh seven beauties like oh, it should be kind of yeah. like an ir- like kind of an irreverent comedy that like re- also shows you the horrific side, but also is like presents it in a way it's uh, well. Actually, that's a bad example for Lambert Mueller. Her stuff is kind of uh, just supposed to be uh, distasteful yes. on purpose <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. But like, it, but like it should be either like um, closely watched trains, something where it's like just kind of about the experience of war around you or it could mm-hmm. be like come and see where it's like act uh, it's like both sides of it sucks i i yeah. i can't really watch in general the like great men on a mission stuff except for like during dungeon dirty dozen and um great escape and besides those two like the stuff that's like about you know how these great honorable men sex sacrifice their lives and kill the bad guys like that's a sore shit and after seeing like stuff like come and see i can't really watch stuff like that anymore and like the call of the call of duty movies <laughs> basically yeah mm. yeah the the hoorah attitude of like one side is good one side is bad yeah. it, the, the intentions of the nazis is undeniably a terrible thing but right. to insinuate that U.S. didn't do bad things to people they considered enemy combatants is is fooling yourself. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. the, not that this movie's about that. You know, this is, takes place in Russia, right? And and stuff like that. Ukraine. Right. Oh, apologies, Mr. Geography. Well, some people <laughs> say. 
Well, actually, that's a that's a hot topic of is Ukraine part of Russia or a separate country? So I can, I'm not the authority on that. Was the when did the Ukraine become the Ukraine? That's a question that it depends who you ask. It, it's kind of a hot topic of is Ukraine are they truly separate or are they part of Russia? It's a I complex mean. issue. It's like how some white people think that all of South America and Central America is Mexico. Yeah, and everything has a yellow filter over it. Oh my god. Yeah, they're not wrong. No, the orange filter if it's Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so it's about Ukraine. It's about the Ukraine, I guess. Let me cross Russia off of my list of movies I've seen things about. I've never seen a movie about Russia. Fuck you, Joel. Okay, no, okay, we're fine. You know what? Adult life. Anyways, that's all I got. All right. So uh, this will come out within the next month or so. Uh, final uh, uh, finals will start in a few weeks as of this recording. So nice. uh, I don't know when I'll get to this because I th- next few weeks are going to be kind of busy. So uh, no worries. Pr- yeah. Uh, before the end of the the calendar year. I can guarantee that. Alright, so Amanda, are you gonna be on Wrong Reel or... I don't think Zebras is back up and running yet. I think Mark is still on baby time. I think so. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I might be doing another one for Wrong Reel soon. I think it might... I don't know if it'll be out at the same time as this one, but um, it might be another pre-code Hollywood episode. Um, my favorites. I, I love Precode Hollywood, like, yeah. Um, and then uh, I kind of did one with uh, Martin Kessler, but it's not for Flickwise, and uh, I don't want to spoil what that is, so who knows when that's coming out, but that'll be exciting. Um, so, yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, um, I have a episode with, Mark, with Martin on John Borman movies on oh, cool. his other project. Yeah. We haven't recorded yet. Oh, Martin's cool. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, uh, may come out. I don't know. Uh, movie <laughs> from hell at some point. Yeah. I don't know when Bradley will want to record this or will be able to record or not. So uh, at some point, I'll be on movies from hell again within this uh, calendar year. I think. Okay. I don't know yet. And on animation. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be animation one, and we're cool. still talk talking through what we're what we're gonna do, and uh, yeah, and I, I don't know, nothing else is come really coming out. So listen to my episode of Grumpire on Mandy and why I don't like Mandy and why I think <laughs> I saw Devil's a better revenge movie, and what else was I on? Some other stuff. It doesn't uh. Yeah, I can't remember what I've been on. Uh, Joel, you? Well, I'm planning to get the other podcast we're working on up and running, and that's the Arbitrary Indiscriminate Movie Podcast. Yes, it's a name that you'll never remember because it is purposely made to roll off of your brain as if it was covered with some sort of thick oil 
the kind of oil that uh, comes off of mutant creatures from beyond space and time. You don't understand how horrifying it is to say the arbitrary, indiscriminate movie podcast every time. Anyways, uh, first episode, uh, probably up, is on Jackass 3D, so uh, hopefully you've listened to that and have enjoyed hearing us talk about that. The episode after that is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It may also be up. But the reason I am not revealing what it is is because we have a Patreon for that uh, podcast for a single dollar. You can get a episode in a, a private Patreon feed that goes through our process of picking these movies. They're all very slightly randomized. One of them is completely a random pick. And, uh, you know, on that, me, Spencer, and Melanie Daniels, our third host, uh, just kind of talk around all the different ways that, you know, what Jackass and what we're, why we pick what we pick. It's just a fun, fun thing, extra thing that I tossed on there. And, like I said, single dollar of your money. What are you going to do with that dollar otherwise? Uh, spend it on your kids? <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, and coming out after the, it'll probably be after this is two or three things I know about her. So uh, I have to rewatch that movie again. So yay! Uh, that's all. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fun movie, I guess. Hey, I like. I, that's the only good art I've liked so far. Come on. Re- oh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know that's the only one you liked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What, what, I remember not liking it, but no, no, it's a, it's okay. You I don't know. have it. You don't. I know. We're allowed to disagree on movies. Every time I brought up with someone else, I remember uh, M. Tume and Dave Eves both were like, "Ugh, that one." <laughs> Which Dave Eves saying that is like, "Oh, it must, it must not, must be kind of, must be pretty bad if he doesn't like it." That not seems like something he'd love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that will come, and then maybe the Possession episode will be up by then. I don't know. This, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. We have two Zolowski episodes coming out in December. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, Mad Love, the 80, 85 one, oh, came okay. out on, on Blu-ray from Kino. Mm-hmm. Everyone should get it. That movie's awesome. If you're if you're into the Zulowski <laughs> intense, non-stop energy thing. And if you're not don't bother watching it because it'll probably give you a headache. And yeah, that's it. Um, uh, we have a Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Amanda, thanks for being yeah. on again. Oh, thank you for having me on again, and thanks for making this uh, reschedule work. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, no problem. Uh, what, what are you on Twitter? If people, if you want people to find you. Um, w Mass Liberty is uh, my Twitter handle, and uh, mostly movies, sometimes video games, sometimes food. That's kind of what's happening these days. Uh, so yeah, happy to talk about anything. All right, and you'll be back for Louis Mall, and Yay. um, oh, you picked a titular movie that we named the season after shoots a piano player. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that will be, you know, down the road next year at some point. And, awesome. uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, and 
Uh, if you're listening to this, next will be possession or two or three things I know about her. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. J-Dog. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and at various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art at sarahkathleenroberts.com, and thank you for listening.